Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Next, on the OHIO podcast, we preview the 2022 Ohio State season like no one else. Plus, we make our crazy predictions for this year in college football. And that all starts right now. It's easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. Buckeye Podcast, by fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs, recording live from beautiful North Central Ohio. It's hot, it's sticky, but it's football season, and I'm excited to be joined by both my co-hosts today. From Texas, Aaron Brown. What's up, Sergeant MVP? Everything's good, man. Everything's good down here in Texas. Stuff's cooling off. We got some rain. My grass isn't completely dead. I mowed the little bit of patches that I had, so all is somewhat right with the world. Yeah, kind of like your head. How dare you? Ah, you set yourself <laughs> up for that one. I did. That's my bad. <laughs> and my other beautiful, bald, cold co-host from Marion, Ohio, Chris Wiles. What's happening, Wild Dude, Man? I got peach fuzz. I got some peach fuzz. Not, not much, but I got peach fuzz. It's there. <laughs> no, it's, it's a great weekend. I mean, it's a beautiful weekend. Loved it. You guys are oh, fantastic. Less than a week away, man. Hey, six days, brother. Six days from we're recording. By the time most of you listen to this, we'll be five or four days from kickoff in the horseshoe. I will be there with bells on, screaming and yelling for all of you. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're going to be there, I expect you to bring your A game as well to the shoe. Let's make it loud and be proud and let's kick some Irish Catholic butt. Let's do that. But we have some things that we need to talk about. Let's start with the rumors this week that uh, there's a team out west, apparently, Chris, that has sent a legal representative this past week to Chicago, to the headquarters of the Big Ten, to have some discussions about the Ducks of Oregon joining the Big Ten. Chris, your thoughts? Yeah, You know, right now, Eric, Oregon is begging to get into the Big Ten. 
the the Pac-12 is a dumpster fire. It's going to be no more here very soon. Uh, you know, back on August 3rd, Kevin Warren had came out and said, ah, we're not really interested in any other Pac-12 teams at this point. And I'm sure that probably wasn't the case, but that is what's got Oregon coming to us now. That means that when it comes to negotiations, Kevin Warren is in the driver's seat with this. It was brilliant from that standpoint. Uh, you know, forget what Warren said. It was a ploy. Of course, Warren wants Oregon. He probably wants Washington. Would not be surprised if Cal and Stanford were eventually in that mix as well. Uh, you know, these are all AAU schools, historically respectable programs. They've got some market share. I mean, it's not Los Angeles market share, but Portland and Seattle are still fairly good-sized cities. Uh, you know, ultimately, you have to think Warren would like to have a four-division conference, a Pacific Atlantic, Great Lakes, maybe a Midwest-type division, four to six teams in each one. USC and UCLA started it. you got to have a couple teams out there to play them so that they've got a pot out there. I think that Oregon is a natural fit. Yeah, Oregon wants in and we want them in. But Kevin Warren was brilliant because now he's got them willing to negotiate at his terms. Aaron, quack, quack. You want the Ducks in? I'm okay if they join. But, I mean, part of me wonders, like, is is because I've been seeing some rumors. Is UCLA going to back out? You know, is is are are some of these schools doing this for leverage with the Pac-12 to get more out of it, to get more money perhaps, or or some other benefit out of the Pac-12? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I don't. I, have you have you heard those rumors? No. So here here is what's interesting. I think Aaron Fox released their top ten most viewed games in the BCS college football playoff era. Ohio State led the way with four out of the top ten with the second, fourth, fifth, and seventh. Second on there was Alabama with the third, sixth, and seventh. And surprisingly enough, tied for second, or actually third, was Oregon with the second, eighth, and ninth most viewed games in the BCS college football playoff era. So I believe that who's actually driving these rumors is Fox. Fox thinks that Oregon can move the needle. Plus, there's one thing that neither of you mentioned, and that is the money of Phil Knight and Nike. Yeah, that's a given. Money talks, right? It's a fact. So there, there's a little bit of a, I think, flex on Oregon's part here. And I do believe that Fox is kind of driving these bu- driving the bus for this conversation to say, we want you as the Big Ten to continue to be aggressive. Hey, by the way, here's the top ten games we've had in this era in viewership. And Oregon's on that list as number three. But, but Eric, if you look at Oregon and Alabama, they both have one thing in common. They benefited from their opponent in one of those games. Ohio State, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, Florida State was the other one for Oregon in 2015, and 2011, Auburn was the ninth. Uh, Oregon-Auburn in 2011 yeah. was the ninth. So um, funny enough, too, when you look at this list, the other team that apparently has been building rumors is Florida State. Yes. Yep. So there's definitely a push 
by the um, by the television the own the television rights guys that they the, the, it's been out there. Big Ten, we want you to be NFL light. We want you to to push your conference to be like the NFL, and that means you're going to be a, become a super conference with divisions or whatever or, or pods, like you said. And we want the best teams in that. And so from this point on, any team that the Big Ten is going to add, they have to bring viewership power to that. And I still believe, like you said, Chris, their academic side of things does still matter to the Big Ten being the AAU member. And the only team in the Big Ten that's not is the team that right now can't get out of their own way in Nebraska. So – Let's just talk about that for one moment. All of us called Nebraska for the win. Chris, we should have seen this coming because we've even talked about it. Yeah, every other year, Eric. Every other year, somehow, Northwestern is good. And I still think Nebraska gave this thing away, man. Yeah, I I don't disagree with you. Uh, I, I don't know what Scott Frost was thinking with the onside kick. Uh, I just, I, I have no idea. I mean, come on. Uh, you know, you've got the momentum, the game's yours to lose. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, the fact is if Scott Frost is still there come the bye week after Purdue, it's going to be very surprising to me because I'll tell you, they've got all the talent in the world on that roster. Well, they don't have Ohio state talent, but they've, they've drastically improved the talent on that roster. Uh, this was a year I really thought that Nebraska was going to step up. I thought they could contend for the West this season. And I don't think they can contend as long as Scott Frost is the head coach. Aaron, you were a coach, dude. You had to, you had to be like scratching your head going, what is he doing? Yeah, that's, <laughs> I, 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 it's, it, it's clear to me. He, you know, you fire your whole staff and then you end up with the exact same results from last year. How many games did he did, did Nebraska lose by seven or less? It was a, like seven or eight games. One of them. All but one. There you go. And here we are, a whole new season, more talent. Uh, they should have handled Northwestern. Yes. That, that shouldn't have been a question. On paper, Nebraska should have steamrolled them, and they end up losing by a field goal after leading by, what, two scores? They had a two-score lead at one point, and they they blew it. I think that the problem is not the players; it's not the 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 rest of the coaching staff. I, at this point, you gotta blame Scott Frost, and, and I'm with Chris. If they don't turn this around immediately and go on a major winning streak, there's no way this dude's still around by the middle of the season. No, I mean you have all the momentum in the world, and you literally <laughs> took the rug right out from your own team with your play call of the onside kick. That is all coaching. Right. Yeah. Like you don't do that unless either a you're extremely confident you're going to get it or or you're you're, you just got your foot on the throat and you're going to put them away or B you're in desperation mode. And and, and the situation they were in was neither of those. Well, use the word confidence. It's a fine line between confidence and arrogance. And what he was doing was showing arrogance there. He thought he was so superior that this was going to catch them off guard, that his guys were going to go out there and get that onside kick. And the fact is they just didn't. Yeah. They play in their next two games. They have what I would consider automatic wins, man. 
So they've got North Dakota and Georgia Southern. If they lose either one of those, he will be fired. For sure. If he wins those and they go in against Oklahoma and they get wiped out, he might still get fired. If he he's got to win those next two games and keep the Sooner game close to keep his job. That's all. I mean, in all honesty, there you look at the next the, the next uh, five games: North Dakota, Georgia Southern, Oklahoma, Indiana, Rutgers. If he does not go at least four and one, I would fire him. There's no yeah, excuse. and I think that's exactly what would happen because I believe after Rutgers is the. Uh, the Purdue game, and that's yeah. what I said. He'll be gone by that that break after the Purdue game. I truly believe that at this point. Aaron, Agreed. go ahead. I, okay. I was just going to say I agree with that. There's no, there's no excuse to not win those games. All right, so that that's enough Cornhusker talk. I don't know. That we'll say anything else about them for the rest of the year, <laughs> other than when he can, can we change them from the Cornhuskers to the Corn Flakes? The Corn Flakes. Ooh, nice one. Uh, how about this? Jim Harbaugh announces. That starting quarterback in the team up north in their first opening game will be Cade McNamara, followed in game number two being started by J.J. McCarthy. And then game three, they'll determine moving forward who the starting quarterback is going to be. This sounds like a quarterback controversy. I don't think it is, by the way. I think this is Jim Harbaugh throwing Cade McNamara a bone. But J.J. McCarthy moving forward is going to be that starting quarterback. What do you think, Aaron? I agree. And I think that – so don't ask me how. Facebook is weird, but that team up north uh, posts come across my stuff. I don't know if it hears me talking trash or or whatever, but somehow I come across these things, and I read the comments just to see – What's going on on their side of the fence? You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've done similar things. Yeah, I love it. It's hilarious to me. It is funny, but all of them, every single one of them are like, I don't see J.J. McCarthy giving back the keys after week two. Once he gets in there, that's it. J.J. McCarthy's going to be the guy. And they said similar things to what you just said. It's kind of like, well, we'll give we'll give Cade McNamara one last shot. But I mean, it's it's against Colorado State, if I'm not mistaken. And then. McCarthy goes in against Hawaii. You think he's not going to shred them up after Vanderbilt just shredded them? I know they're SEC and it's a powerhouse, and the, you know every team in the SEC would win the Big Ten and everything according to ESPN. But no, I, I think JJ McCarthy's the guy. Chris, yeah, I'm with Aaron here. Don't think that it was not you know thought out, especially after we saw what happened. I mean, and the announcement may have came out before, but after we saw what happened with Hawaii and Vanderbilt, th- this was set up to give this to McCarthy. It really was. Yeah. You know, he's going to go in there, and if he doesn't put up 300 yards minimum and four or five touchdowns, I'll be very surprised because the doormats of the SEC just annihilated these guys. Well, look at yeah. that wide receiver room and uh, that team up north. Ask Desmond. Oh, don't even start with that, Aaron. <laughs> they have a better. <laughs> don't even start quoting this do. guy. <laughs> Ask hey, Desmond Howard. He'll tell you. Yeah, him and Sean both, right? That's a fact. Goodness gracious. <laughs> All right, that's enough. That's enough talk. We'll we'll get to them in the second half of the show. Let's go ahead and jump into Aaron's preview of our Ohio State. We've had weeks and weeks of doing our Big Ten previews. Um, Chris, myself, Jason, 
have been putting together all these previews. And we finally made it to the weekend before the opening game for the Buckeyes. And so Aaron jumps in and saves the day for us and just gives us a preview like the professional that he is. So sit back and enjoy this. This is Aaron Brown from the OHIO podcast here to deliver on our long-awaited Ohio State Buckeyes 2022 season preview. Head coach Ryan Day is entering his fourth season as Ohio State's lead man. He has a record of 34-4, is 2-2 in bowl games, with a 1-2 record in college football playoff games. Day took his first loss to that team up north last season, missing out on Ohio State's first Big Ten title since 2016. However, Ohio State finished with a thrilling Rose Bowl victory over Utah, giving them plenty of momentum going into this offseason. Ohio State plays in Ohio Stadium, a.k.a. the Horseshoe. It seats 104,944 fans. Ohio State has an all-time record of 942 wins, 330 losses, and 53 ties. They're 27-27 and 27 in bowl games with eight national titles, 39 Big Ten championship titles, and 10 division titles, the most recent coming in 2020. Last season, Ohio State was 11-2 with losses to Oregon and, unfortunately, that team up north. Looking at statistics, on the offensive side of the ball, I don't think things could have gotten too much better aside from maybe running the ball. Uh, Points per game, Ohio State was first in the nation with 45.7. In rushing yards per game, 180.3, which was good for 48th. Passing yards per game, 370.7, which was good for third. And total yards per game, 551 on the dot, which was good for first in the country. Defensively, though, is another story. Uh, Points per game, Ohio State gave up 22.8, which ranked them 38th in the nation. Uh, Rushing yards allowed per game, 127.8, which was 29th in the country. Passing yards given up, 227.2, which was 84th. And then total yards per game, 355 per game, and that ranked them at 53rd. Key losses for the Buckeyes this year are wide receiver Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and defensive player Haskell Garrett. Now, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are major losses on the offensive side of the ball. Chris Olave has been a contributor since uh, the, the game against that team up north in 2019, I believe it was. He had 936 yards last season. Uh, he broke the career receiving touchdown record, which was previously held by Buckeye legend David Boston. And then Garrett Wilson had 1,058 receiving yards. Haskell Garrett contributed 22 tackles on the season however was more of a uh, somebody that the team rallied around because he had been shot in the face before the season started and it was just a wonder that he was even able to play as for the top returners we have quarterback cj stroud who was 317 of 441 for 4435 yards 44 touchdowns to just six interceptions Sensation Travion Henderson returns with he had 183 uh, carries, 1,272 yards for 15 touchdowns. 
Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, and this is why this takes a little bit of the sting away from Olave and Garrett Wilson being gone. He led the team in receptions and yards last season with 95 receptions, 1,606 yards, and nine scores, and he absolutely lit up the Rose Bowl last year. Ronnie Hickman returns. He had 98 tackles, two interceptions. Uh, 54 of those tackles were solo, 44 were assisted, and he had one sack. Denzel Burke is coming back. 37 tackles, 28 were solo, 9 assisted, and 1 interception. Also returning is Mayan Williams, the bowling ball. 71 carries, 519 yards, and three scores for him last season. And then finally, Steel Chambers, who had 47 tackles, 27 of which were solo, 20 were assisted, one interception, and one sack. I would also like to point out some new additions to the team this year in offensive line and associate head coach, Justin Fry, who we poached away from UCLA. He is going to be tasked with improving the offense overall, specifically the run game. I think we can all agree that we have the talent. We just need to put the pieces in place to make this thing really happen. Uh, Perry Eliano, uh, who we took away from Cincinnati uh, University, he's going to be coaching the safeties. He did a very good job last year at, at Cincinnati, and Ryan Day felt comfortable enough to pull him in and see what he can do with this secondary, because Lord knows that I'm not a fan of Bryson Shaw, and, and he's gone, but this guy, I think, is the real deal, and the, the DBs that we have, I think that he can he can make some things happen in this defense. Uh, Tim Walton, who played for John Cooper in the early 90s, he comes back to Columbus after 11 years in the NFL. He's going to be coaching the corners. And then I'd also like to bring up Tanner McAllister as a new addition. He transferred in from Oklahoma State uh, as a safety. He's going to be expected to lead the defense as a transfer. He came in uh, with his defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles, who I'll talk about in a minute, who is also from Oklahoma State. Now, Jim Knowles, he's going to be coaching the linebackers. He's also the defensive coordinator, and I really like this because Oklahoma State had an incredibly effective defense last year, well, under him in general. And now you can imagine with the talent in Columbus what he can do with that defense. We're going to be seeing some really cool stuff that we're not used to seeing out of a 4-2-5 defense. So be ready for that, Buckeye fans. The recruiting class that Ohio State pulled in for 2022 was fourth in the country. And I'm not going to name off every single person, but I will highlight some people to uh, to watch out for and be excited about in the future. We have five-star linebacker C.J. Hicks, five-star Sonny Styles. Think about that one. Everybody knows where he his lineage. Four-star linebacker, uh, quarterback, excuse me, Devin Brown. Four-star wide receiver Keon Grays. Four-star linebacker Gabe Powers out of Marysville, Ohio. Four-star defensive end Caden Curry. Four-star wide receiver Caleb Burton. Four-star corner Yair Brown. Four-star offensive tackle George Fitzpatrick. Four-star corner Ryan Turner. And four-star athlete Kai Stokes. To me, the expectations are pretty clear this year. 
You know, we took a couple lumps largely to that team up north in Oregon last year, but I think that this year, anything short of a national title, I don't want to call it a failure, but essentially with this team's goals and the talent and the expectations being as high as they are this year, especially with all that firepower returning and a brand on offense and a brand new defensive coaching staff, uh, minus Coach Johnson, of course, I think that we should have these high expectations because Lord knows that we have the talent, the fans certainly know it. Looking at the schedule, Ohio State, depending on when you're listening to this, if you're listening to it Monday, we got about five or six days until we stomp a mud hole in Notre Dame's ass. Then we got Arkansas State at home, Toledo at home, and then Wisconsin comes to Columbus on September 24th. I believe all of those are wins. Uh, We also have on October 1st, Rutgers coming to town. And then Ohio State's first away game, October 8th, at Sparty. That's going to be our first real test, and I think that that's going to be really good game, and I expect us to come out on top on that one as well. The following week, on October 22nd, Iowa comes to Columbus. That one is always tough, regardless of where it's played. Iowa just, for whatever reason, is one of those teams like Purdue. They give us a hard time, but with this one being in Columbus, I feel like we can get it done. Then we go on the road to Penn State on October 29th, which is also my birthday, so feel free to wish me a happy birthday. Ohio State going to Penn State uh, on October 29th, though. I don't believe this one's a whiteout. Uh, The time is to be determined still, but Ohio State should get the job done on that one before traveling to Northwestern on November 5th. Then we're back in Columbus against Indiana November 12th. And then the following week, we travel to Maryland. Now, this one could be a trap game because Maryland's got a pretty strong offense. I think that their defense is quite questionable, and I think that's where we can take them. I think Ohio State defense with the mixture that we're going to have and and the new looks, I feel like this one is one we will win, but be watchful, be aware that this is a potential trap game. Maryland is dangerous. And that is the game before the game November 26th that team up north will come back to Columbus to experience the ass whipping that they have coming to them after dodging us in 2020 and then taking one from us in 2021 for the first time in a decade that's all I've got for right now this has been Aaron Brown on the OHIO podcast go Buckeyes All right, Chris, we get to respond to Aaron's docile tones of giving us. <laughs> was that not a beautiful preview, Eric? Oh, come when on. I, when I added to Biddle to the, when I added to the, 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 the music to the background of that, I told my wife, I said, honey, do you still love me? Cause I was worried that she was going to fall in love with Aaron. Oh, come on. That was gorgeous. <laughs> I, I put in the headphones uh, just so that my wife didn't hear Aaron talking. You know? <laughs> oh, for God's sakes. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Great job, buddy. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. Let's dive into this before we take our break and we start in our predictions. I think let's start here. Expectations going into 2022. I've got my ex- expectations being. Big Ten Championship, at least 
the one win in the college football playoff and get to the national championship. I'm not saying national championship or bust for this team, but this is a good enough roster to get to a national championship team. Chris, do you agree or disagree and why? Eric, you won't say it. Aaron didn't say it. He fell just short of saying it. I'm going to say it. If they do not win the national title this year, it was a failed season. Really? They are that good. They are that good. You have the best quarterback in the nation. You have the best wide receiver in the nation. You have arguably one of the best tailbacks in the nation. You've got three guys who are legitimate Heisman contenders right now. You have, what from what we've seen, a vastly improved offensive line. We have a defense that the head coach of the defense, I'm not even calling him the defensive coordinator anymore, the head coach of the defense yeah, Jim Knowles. is saying is going to be a top five defense. If you have that offense and a defense that is that caliber, anything less than a national championship is a failure for the year. Chris, let me talk you off the ledge a little bit, buddy. I don't want to I don't want to see you end a season that doesn't end in a national championship and you be disappointed. Because talk I mean, talk is one thing. Let's let's tamper those expectations on the defensive side of the ball. We have not seen a really good defense at Ohio State since 2019. And that was and to be honest with you, that defense was the only good defense we've seen since what, 2016? So you've got 2017 was okay, but not really. 2018 was abysmal. Yeah, we want to talk about that one. Yeah. 2019 was great. 2019 was awesome. That was Chase Young's junior year, Jeff Okuda. Uh, You had some really good defenders there. 2020 was not good. 2021 was even worse. So I don't want us to go into this thinking we've got a national championship defense. I I agree with you. Ohio State has got a national championship offense. But we still have a few question marks there. Offensive line. They've got to gel and stay healthy. So my expectation is get to the national championship. Your expectation is national championship or bust. Aaron, you're the make or break here. What do you think? I can't, I, so it's it's difficult, okay, because I think what pushes us to this whole idea of championship or bust is the defense in itself. We, like you said, I, we have a national championship offense. Can the defense match that energy? And the fact is, the rest of the country doesn't know either, and that's the wild card that we're playing with. They don't know what they're going to get. Oklahoma State didn't have a great offense, but they had a pretty decent defense, and that was with less talent than what we're we're fielding. Jim Knowles has said he's got 75% of this defense installed. Okay, the offense has been reporting to places like 11 Warriors that they're they're struggling with this defense. Now, I think it was Ryan Day also said uh, this is going to look really scary once we have complete healthy corners if i'm not mistaken it was either him or jim Knowles said that so we're going to get a different look we're used to seeing a certain type of 425 being ran here jim Knowles is doing things a little different 
Okay, and I will talk more about that on Thursday when we preview Notre Dame. But essentially, just to give you a quick rundown, they're going to be calling things from the back forward. This is going to be a safety-led defense. We're not used to that. You're going to see blitzing from different parts of the field that you're not used to seeing. Okay, this jack position that's going to be primarily Jack Sawyer, that's going to be different for us. We're not used to that. You're going to see him doing different things. And the rest of the country doesn't know what that's going to look like either, and it's going to change week to week from what I understand. Okay, and so I'm not going to say that it's 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 a bust if we don't win the national title. So, Eric, I'm going to side with you on this. Okay, but we do have a very experienced defense at this point. A lot of these young guys like Tyleek Williams, Jack Sawyer, JTT, you know, they cut their teeth last year. Right. So they're coming back with another year of experience. And I would say better coaching, more coaching and under a, a better scheme under the same defense that they've been running. So I don't I, I feel like we should make the national title game, right. but I'm not going to sit here and say that the season is a failure if we don't win. So and, and the reason why I go there, Aaron, is because I think there's a lot of things that can factor in to a national championship game that are out of your control. Injuries. Yes. You know, if we have key injuries uh, that could ha- affect us, um, you know, is dumb. Gosh, I can't even imagine this would happen. But what if someone decides to not play in the CFP because they don't want to injure themselves going in the NFL draft? No, you're I mean, 100% right. We we live in a different world, guys. Like I know I know that's crazy to think about, but someone's going to do it soon. Yeah, someone's going to do that, and uh, or or say you know we're going to see. I'm not going to play unless I get a better nil deal this month. I mean, the, this is just a crazy world we live in. So I don't want us to sit here and, and say to ourselves like if we don't win a national championship, you know, it's going to be a lost cause and a lost season. I still want to enjoy the journey getting there and, and see what happens because I'm telling you, I, from what I've been able to research, I think we stand a better chance against Alabama this time than we did back in 2020. I, I, I do believe that. I think we at least have a competent defensive coaching staff that will put us in a place to at least – give them guys at least a different look this time as opposed to putting our freaking linebacker, the slowest one on the field against the fastest guy on their offense. Okay. So I think we at least give them a better game, if not win it, if we have the opportunity, but I'm going to be like Kevin Egan. I'm going to wear my scarlet and gray glasses and say, I think we can win that game, but let's get there first. Chris, did I did I talk you down a little bit? Or are you are you solid, man? No, I'm solid. Okay. All right. Let's talk about that defense, Aaron. I'm going to go to you first. So all of this talk about the safety-driven defense, and I know you're going to jump into that on Thursday and break it down for us as a as that what that defense will look like going up against an Irish offense that's going to have. Uh, their top wide receiver out of their game and a brand new quarterback at starter at starting. Uh, good luck, guys. Um, but I think the key to this is up front on the defensive line. Can we get the penetration with four down linemen that we have not gotten since 2019 when Chase Young was last here? 
we had Jonathan Cooper kind of leading the way in 2020 and him and, and, and some of the guys did well, but they were not on the same caliber as that defensive line in 2019, which I think can really cover up a lot on the backside of a defense. If the quarterback literally has no time to throw the football, talk defensive line. And what are your expectations of this defensive line going in to the 2022 season, Aaron? I feel like with another year of experience and I mean, you're there's okay. So to answer your question, Yes, we should be able to get the pressure because there's pressure that's going to be coming from different spots. And essentially what Jim Knowles has done is in the past at Oklahoma State is, is it's like disguised blitzes. OK, so they don't really know where it's coming from. And I know you guys don't like the Steelers, but think about how they blitz out of a three, four. Well, we're doing the kind of the same philosophy out of a four, two, five. And from what I understand we're not trying to rotate as many DBs, but we are going to rotate, I think, up to 12 defensive linemen. Because uh, let me let me look. Let me say some of these names, all right? And you tell me if we should be getting pressure. You got JTT, Tyleek Williams, uh, Teron Vincent, Zach Harrison, Jack Sawyer, Jaron Cage, Ty Hamilton, Javante, Gene Baptiste, Tyler Friday, Jaden McKenzie, um, Michael Hall and Mitchell Melton. And I understand not all of them are completely healthy right now, but we are going to be seeing more of a rotation like we did in 2019 uh, with these D linemen. And you consider what happened that year. Pretty solid. These guys are all experienced players, I think, minus Mitchell Melton, who's had some ouchy issues, and then uh, Jaden McKenzie. But everybody else has played to some extent in this defense. And so to answer your question, we should be able to get plenty of pressure. I'm not saying we have uh, a, a Chase Young on the t- on the team this year. That remains to be seen. But yes, we should be able to get pressure because with this rotation, they're getting the op- the, oppo- ugh, the opposition <laughs> is getting a mix of talent, different types of talent, different levels of talent, but they're all getting smacked with experience. So I, I yes, this defense is going to look nice on the D line. Beautiful. Chris, let's talk linebackers, shall we? Okay. I'm really high on Steel Chambers, man. I I got a chance to meet him face-to-face. I told him he was our linebacker of the year, won our linebacker of the year award for our podcast. He got a big grin on his face. He goes, he straight up, he goes, why'd you choose me? And I was like, dude. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Come on. Talk about getting put on the spot. I I go, are you kidding me? I go, you moved from the running back room and led our linebackers and tackles just about this year in half the games almost. Like, who else are we going to choose, dude? Like, for real. And he was so humble about it. He thanked me, you know, and everything. He's probably thinking, dude, who are you? Who? Are, who what's the OHL podcast? I've even heard of you guys, right? Like, But uh, I, it was really cool. I think he's going to be great. You, you hear about Tommy Eichenberg's leadership. He's kind of like this quiet leader. Um, that's got a mean streak, apparently. I love that, and a, and a linebacker. You've got the freshman, C.J. Hicks, that um, apparently is getting looked at a lot. Um, you've got Chip Trianum, who looks like he just, he just now discovered his ninth and tenth ab muscle. I don't know how that's possible, but he did. And then, by the way, he's taking reps at running back, uh, but that yet at the same time, they don't want him to change rooms because apparently he's looking really good. 
You got uh, Paleo Gotioti, the fourth, who transferred in from USC. Let's not forget, he was a five-star recruit at one time. Taraja Mitchell, who was the, is, believe it or not, the highest, other than C.J. Hicks, the highest recruited linebacker in this room. The talent's there. My question to you, Chris, is can they put it all together this year? Because I, you know, if they can, given what Aaron just described to us about our defensive line, these linebackers can absolute, absolutely eat up this year if that's the case. Well, I think they definitely can. Like you said, the talent's there. I think we're going to see Steel Chambers and Eichenberg get, get the rolls out of the gate. You know, I don't even think you mentioned Reed Carrico, Cody Simon, or, or the other youngster, Gabe Powers. Right. I mean, we, we are so deep right now at linebacker. And from what we're hearing out of, the, out of camp, a lot of these guys are looking really good. Would not be at all surprised to see C.J. Hicks getting some substantial play time. Uh, would not be surprised if he's not needed to, to, to back up the running back crew to see Chip get in there and get some play time. Uh, but I think this thing, Steel Chambers leads the way for the linebackers. I think this is his year. Um, Eichenberg, like you said, solid leader. I think that this is going to be a really, really much improved linebacking core over what we've seen recently. All right, so we say all that about defense to come to this last question, and it's a yes or no question. And if you want to follow up your reasoning why, feel free. I'll start with you first, Chris. Does the defense success boil down to this? In the defensive backfield, can our cornerbacks stay healthy? Yes or no? That's a tough question. I think that it is important, especially early on, to have them be healthy. We have some young talent back there. We've got a little bit of depth. I would say this. An injury to Denzel Burke would be catastrophic. Mm. I think we could overcome injuries to maybe a couple of the other guys. Okay. Um, Especially at safety. We're pretty deep at safety. We're pretty deep at safety. Although I'll tell you what, given the leadership and the familiarity with the system, it could hurt us to lose Tanner McAllister. So let me do, let me give you a follow up question: Is Denzel Burke the most critical person on the defensive side of the ball in 2022? He's the most critical person in the defensive backfield, Eric. Okay. I don't necessarily think he's the most critical person on the field. Um. I really believe, like we've all said before, it starts up front. And I think that there's actually kind of a split there. And I, I would say uh, JTT and Jack Sawyer kind of split that role because I think they're going to be the guys that generate what happens behind them. Aaron, yes or no, is the corner as as a is the quarterback cornerback room the most critical position on this defense, given its lack of depth at this point. Critical. I don't, I I would have to say, yes. Yeah. I, I do think it's the most critical because that's, you know, we are lacking the most experience in that room right now. Very talented players, but lacking the experience. You know, I talked on the D line, a lot of experience there 
a lot of the linebackers have played Taraja Mitchell. Those get you know those guys have gotten game reps that weren't just you know at the end against Akron. But the secondary, not so much. Okay, very good, fair enough. All right, guys, let's go over to the other side of the football. All right, Aaron, let's. I, I think it's the most critical part of our offense, given the fact that I'm confident in the wide receiver room. I'm confident at tight end. I think Kate Stover is going to have a hell of a year. I'm super confident at quarterback, and I'm confident in our running back room. Offensive line. We've been hearing a lot about how this offense is struggling with this defense, and you know what that tells me? The offensive line is probably struggling with this defense. That worries me a little bit. Should I be concerned about the offensive line? I don't think so. And I say that because of the experience factor and because of the wild card I mentioned earlier. They don't know what they're looking at because uh, nobody's really come at us the way that this defense does. And then you throw in the talent that's on our defensive line. If anything, it's going to make them better against opposing defenses. That's that's the way that I see it. If they're going, it's kind of like the DBs matching up against these wide receivers. If they can cover our wide receivers, you think they can't cover anybody else's? Right. If they can cover JSN, they can cover anybody. Well, you according know? to Sean, they won't be able to cover Michigan. But well, Sean, never mind. <laughs> 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 but that's 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 kind of my two cents on it. Okay, if they're struggling against this D line. I'm not going to say that they're struggling or that they're going to struggle against opposing D lines. I think that it's going to make them better. That's just my two cents. Okay. Fun question here for you, Chris. JSN or Travion Henderson? Who's more important in this offense this year? Wow, there's a lot of depth at wide receiver, but I'll tell you what. You know, I'm going to lean with JSN here. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm ultimately confident that if something happens, that Mayan Williams can step in and put up big numbers at the tailback position. I'm with you. I think that JSN is such a cornerstone. Not only He's not only key because of the what he's going to do performance-wise, but because he is going to draw so much attention from opposing defenses. Guy, I mean, Let's face it, defensive coordinators are going to have to plan just for this guy. Yeah. And not having him in there takes a lot away. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think JSN, next to maybe C.J. Stroud, might be the most important player on this offense. And I don't know what the two aren't almost at an even level, mm-hmm. given the talent we've got even coming up behind Stroud. Aaron, I have a similar question for you, but maybe just a little bit on a coaching aspect of things. We know how much Ryan Day loves to pass the football to the point where he's almost stubborn at it at times. He, I think, has learned that he needs to establish the running game in order to make sure that that passing game can continue to be successful. In your mind, going into 2022, does Ryan Day lean more toward the run? Or is he still going to lean toward that pass passing game, given the talent he has at quarterback and at wide receiver? I think we're going to see the same with what we've seen from Ryan Day. I think this is still going to be a pass-heavy offense. 
but I think that he's going to be smarter with running the ball. Like last year against Oregon, prime example. Mm-hmm. How many times were we in the red zone and we three straight passes? Exactly. Why would you do that in the five inside the five yard line? Why would you you don't you know what I mean? You got you got Mayan Williams, you got Master Teague, you got Travion Henderson. Run the ball, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well go back I, to go back to the uh Nash or the Big Ten championship game in twenty twenty. Yeah, twenty twenty against Northwestern when we literally had a record setting running back in the backfield, but we refused to give him the football till the second half. Yeah. I mean I was screaming at the TV for the first time during the Ryan Day era where I was like, Ryan, run the ball. Like I, it reminded me of my dad yelling at John Cooper sometimes. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> uh, let's not bring that up. <laughs> if they've been running the ball that whole game, you, you may have seen Sermon go for 500 yards on the ground. Oh, they couldn't stop him. I was they just could. about to say that. Absolutely couldn't stop him. All right, so so given that aspect, I let, fill in the blank question for me here. And then we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to continue our preview with our crazy predictions. Ohio State wins the national championship in 2022, Aaron, because? They win because of the wild card defense that we have. I think that the, the rotation of the D-line, the leadership from the secondary – Specifically, Tanner McAllister and Denzel Burke. I think that that's going to be crucial. The linebacker play that we're going to get from Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg and others, I think it's going to be top-notch. It's going to be different than anything we've seen. I think that the offense is going to continue doing what they do best, and that's put up points and gain yards and control the football. And uh, that's what's going to lead us to winning the national title. Chris, same question. Ohio State wins the national championship in 2022 because... I'm going to side with Aaron here because I think that they do come out. I don't know about top five, but I think they do have a top 10 defense this year. I'm truly, I truly think they'll have the top 10 defense and that's why they win the national title. Beautiful. I think they win a national national title in 2022 because Ryan day has never lost to an opponent twice. Yeah. The dude is a machine and he learns he's he's kind of like a virus he adapts man he adapts and he survives and he learns and if i'm jim harbaugh and i'm nick satan i'm worried that ryan day is going to come after me because that's who he's coming after it's who he's coming after this year all right we're going to take a quick commercial break when we come back we got our crazy predictions for 2022 hang tight The OHIO Podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast. Here we go. Go! Let's start with Ohio State's 2022 predictions. Chris, you're up first. C.J. Stroud's stat line for 2022. Last year, he was 317 completions on 441 attempts, 
for 4,435 yards with 44 touchdowns and six interceptions. In 2022, Chris, he will do what? Well, I'd love to tell you he's going to get to 50 touchdowns this year, Eric. I just don't think that's the case. I think the running game is going to be much improved. I think he goes 320 at 440. That's a 72.7% completion rating. Slight improvement over last year. I think he goes for just over 4,500 yards, 45 touchdowns, but he shaves an interception, five interceptions. Oh, man, we're really close. Aaron, what what's your uh, C.J. Stroud stat line for 2022? Dude, I couldn't even tell you about attempts and completions, but I will say 4,200 yards. I'll say 43 touchdowns, four interceptions. Okay, very similar. Same reason. I, I think the run game picks up. Yeah, I actually went with 305 completions, which is a little less than what he did in 2021. 410 attempts, again, less than what he had in 2021. However, I do believe he goes for 4,450 yards, which is slightly more. 45 touchdowns, which is one more, and five interceptions, which is one less. Let's move to the running back room. Travion Henderson's stat line in 2021 as a freshman was 183 carries for 1,248 yards, 15 touchdowns. He also added 27 receptions out of the backfield for 312 yards and four touchdowns. Little trivia game, guys. Little trivia game here. We played this last year. Let's see how good you guys remember. The top five running backs at Ohio State in yards gained as freshmen. Chris, I'll let you go first. Can you name one of them? Top five. One of them should be awfully easy. Zeke. Are you kidding me? We just <laughs> talked about Travion Henderson. Well, I mean, obviously that. Okay, well, I'll give you Travion Henderson because Zeke is not one of them. We'll go to well, Aaron. He should be. <laughs> J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins was one. Travion Henderson is two. Back to you, Chris. We've got one guy from the 2010s, one from the 2000s, and one from the 1990s. Beanie. No. No. 2002. Come I on. got you. Maurice no. Claret. Claret. Maurice Claret's number three. How about from the 2010s at number five? This one, this one will sneak up on you because he never played as well as he did his freshman year. I, Is this for who? Ohio State, 2016. No, for me or Chris? Either one. Go for it. Mike Weber. Weber. Yep. And here's the one everyone gets stumped on. They forget. Number four from the year 1990. He oh, was, uh, he was fast. The daggone name is. Uh, you want some initials? No. He played for the freaking Vikings. What the yes, hell? Yes, he did. That's right. Well, I can't, the name's on the tip of my tongue. Robert Smith? Thank there you. it is. Yes. Thanks. Number one, J.K. Dobbins. Number two, Travion Henderson. Number three, Maurice Claret. Number four, Robert Smith. Number five, Mike Weber. And kicking out of the top five now because of Travion Henderson's year last year, Archie Griffin. Archie Griffin was number five on that list. Of course, he only played like eight games his freshman year. So incredible line three. If he would have played in 13 games like Travion Henderson, imagine what Archie's numbers would have been. Killer. Yeah. All right. So Travion Henderson, we gave you his stat line. Aaron, I'll start with you this time. What is Travion Henderson's stats in 2022? I'm going to say that he goes for 1,300 yards rushing, 18 touchdowns. How many receptions did he have? 27. 
I think uh, I think we'll go 24 receptions, and I think it'll be 300 yards. Okay. Chris, go for well, it. We are pretty close. I got him for 185 carries, 1,295 yards, uh, 19 touchdowns on the ground, 30 receptions, 360 yards, six touchdowns in the air. All right, guys, you ready for this stat line? This is what I think Trayvon Henderson can do this year. This is the reason why I think CJ's stat, uh, passing stats are a little less. I have Travian Henderson running the ball 303 times for 2,005 yards and 23 touchdowns, 21 receptions for 215 yards and two touchdowns, and you'll know why I went so high with these stats in a minute. All right, JSN stat line in 2021. He had a record-setting year at Ohio State. In receptions and yards, 95 catches for 1,606 yards and nine touchdowns. Chris, what's JSN's encore as a junior? I'll tell you what, I look for it to be a pretty similar year. I got 97 catches, 1,455 yards, 10 touchdowns. Aaron, JSN's year in 2022 will look like what? So I've got 1,300 yards and 13 touchdowns. And the reason is I think the ball gets spread around a little bit more. Yep, I agree with that. I actually went with 86 receptions. They're going to concentrate on him. Defenses are going to double him up some this year. 86 receptions for 1,256 yards and 11 touchdowns, which is still an incredible year. Yes. uh, When you think about the fact that we didn't really throw the ball before Ryan Day got here. Uh, Marvin Harrison's stat line in 2021, most of this was in the Rose Bowl, 11 receptions, 139 yards, and was it three touchdowns this year, last year? Yes. Okay. I I, so. I, I have nine written down. I know that's wrong. Um, 2022 stat line, uh, Aaron, for Marvin Harrison Jr. I think he'll go for 1,100. I think his role increases tremendously. He really showed what he is capable of. In the Rose Bowl, um, I think it really uh, steps up, and I'm going to give him 11 touchdowns on the year. <laughs> Man, we're like dead on with each other. I had 82 receptions for 1,102 yards and 11 touchdowns. He's going to be a problem in the red zone for defenses. Oh, yeah. We're, we're all really similar because I had him at 80 for 1,200 and nine touchdowns. Very good. Uh, Chris, which receiver is going to be third on the team in yards this year? You know, this one was tough for me. You know, we've been hearing a lot of good things about Fleming, and I mean, come on, kind of a bit of a badass after he popped his shoulder back in and caught a couple couple touchdowns there in that scrimmage. I've been going back and forth between him and Igbuka. I really think both guys are going to have a massively increased role. I think that Fleming's going to have more catches, but I think Igbuka's big place ability, he's going to have a little bit more yardage. Oh, okay. Very nice. So you went Fleming with more receptions, but Agbuka with more yards. I can, yes. I can agree with that. I I, I went with Agbuka uh, as as number three, so I can get agree with that. Aaron, what do you think? I said Agbuka as well, and it's actually the same reason. I actually think that uh, Fleming's going to have more touchdowns. I just because I I feel like his from what I've seen, he's really good at like sideline catches. Yeah. The comeback route. And that's kind of what we like to do 
if it's not a long pass for a touchdown, we kind of do that sort of thing. Look at look at Chris Olave against Clemson. You know, I know it's different, but he's he's physically imposing. He is. Yeah, I mean he 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 can he can kind of box you out. I think in that yes, get that jump ball in the corner of the end zone. So I, I can mm-hmm. go with that. All right, let's flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. Who leads the team in tackles, interceptions, and sacks? Let's start with tackles, Aaron. I said Ronnie Hickman. And I said 95 tackles. I think he had 98 last year. Yep. Uh, some, so play, I went, some, somewhat like ESPN says 98, but then I think Ohio State gave him officially 100 somehow. Hey, 100 tackles. I'll, I'll give him triple digits. Cool. Uh, but I, I, I think he's going to hit 95 tackles this year. I think he leads it. Okay, I agree with you. I have Ronnie Hickman. I have him at 85. So slightly yeah. less, but still leading the team. I just don't think they're on the field as much this year. I'm yeah, going to disagree with you guys as much, you know, I think my gut instinct was to go Hickman, but if you look at Knowles defense at Oklahoma state, the last four seasons, the will linebacker led their team in tackles. I think it's going to be steel chambers. Ooh, Okay. I'm going to go I, with steel chambers, 85 tackles. To lead hey, the team. If Steel Chambers leads the team in tackles, I think that's probably a really good sign that this defense is making hay. Yes. Yes. Because I could that, see that, Chris. That means yes. they're not getting to the safeties, essentially. Right. Yeah. That's what you right. want, that's, too. That was one of the big things with all Hickman's tackles last year was the mm-hmm. fact that they were in the second level of the defense running the ball all the time. Yep. 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 All right. Who leads the team in interceptions, Chris? You know what? Give, give it to the comeback kid. I'm going to go with Josh Proctor. Ooh, okay. How many? I, I, Proc, I don't think he's going to have a ton. I, I look for him to have four, but I think Proctor leads the team with four. Okay, very good. Aaron? I can go with that. I like that. I hope that happens, actually. Um, I went with Denzel Burke, and I'm going to say five. Okay. I went with Denzel Burke, so I agree with you, Aaron, but I went with four, so I agree with the number with you, Chris. All right, sacks. Who's going to lead the team in sacks, and how many, Aaron? I'm saying Jack Sawyer coming out of that Jack position. We don't know what, you know what I mean? That you're going to see him blitzing like a madman. And I'm saying 10 sacks. Woo, double digits. Okay. Uh, I, I'm, actually, oh, I, I'm agreeing with Aaron. I had Jack Sawyer with 10, followed shortly there behind by Jack or by uh, JTT. Tumalulau with yep. nine. I went with Jack Sawyer as well, and I went with eight and a half sacks. However, wait for my big. Ohio State prediction here in a minute. Uh, offensive and defensive MVPs, let's start with the offense. Chris, who's going to be the offensive MVP? Is there any question here? I think it's C.J. Stroud. I don't think there is any question. I still I still contend, even though you guys don't agree with it, I still contend he's the Heisman winner, too. Okay. We'll get to that in a second. Aaron, offensive MVP for 2022. Make that two, C.J. Stroud. And I... I also think he wins the Heisman. I, I don't – there's I, – th- who's going to outplay him? I mean, Bryce Young, he's not going to get it twice. There's – I just – maybe Will Anderson, the linebacker. But, again, how many times has this gone to a defensive player? Once, and I'm not going to say who it was because I refuse to give credit. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, C.J. Stroud, offensive MVP. They a Three for three. I think C.J. Stroud's definitely going to be the offensive MVP, and he, and he should be. Uh, all right, let's go to the other side of the ball. Defensive MVP, uh, defensive MVP, easy enough for me to say. Aaron, who's that going to be this year? I'm going with Ronnie Hickman. 
Cool. Uh, and it's just because, you know, he was kind of, in my opinion, the heart and soul of the defense last year. And I think he's going to bring that same energy this year. Uh, Chris, go for it. I'm going to go with the guy I predicted to be the tackle leader, Steel Chambers. You know, I could easily see him throwing a couple interceptions, a couple sacks in there to go with all them tackles. I think he's a defensive MVP. I actually went with JT Tumula. I think he's going to become a leader on that defensive line, the heart and soul of that defensive line. I think he gets more snaps than anybody else on that defensive line. I don't think he leads the team in tackles, but I I agree with you, or, or, or sacks, but I agree with you, Chris. I think he's right behind Jack Sawyer in sacks, and I think he has a ton of tackles, and he really makes life miserable for offensive uh, offensive lines that we played this year, and I'm going to give him my defensive preseason MVP. All right, our crazy Buckeye prediction for the season. I will give mine first. I let all you guys go first. Ohio State will set a new season record for sacks as a team with 56. The previous record was 54 in 2019. That's my crazy Ohio State prediction for the season. Chris, go You're for it. You're killing me, Eric. Did You're I steal it? Killing me. That's why I did it first. <laughs> I had the exact same. I only went, or I actually went with 58 sacks, but I had the same thing. You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> what you got, Aaron? Did you go with sacks too? I said sacks and turnovers. Okay. So. Good enough, man. Good enough. All right, let's flip it from Ohio State to the conference we play in, the Big Ten and the greater beyond the Big Ten college football predictions. Aaron, who will be the Big Ten coach of the year? Ohio State can go 12-0 and win the Big Ten championship, and that doesn't mean that they're going to give the stinking award to Ryan Day. They somehow find a reason to not to every year. Uh-huh. Who's going to be the Big Ten coach of the year? Well, so I was kind of stuck. I think that – after last year, with the coaching changes, all that, everything going on, it's either going to be Ryan Day or it's going to be Mike Loxley. Ooh. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Chris, go for it. Mike Loxley is actually who I had as my really? choice for Big Ten Coach of the Year just because I'm with you, Eric. Ryan Day could win the Big Ten, win the national title, and they'll still find a reason not to give it to him. They'll say he's got too much talent to play with, whatever. Yep. But yeah, I've got Loxley in there. I think he's got Maryland in a in a position to be legitimate contenders. My 2022 Big Ten Coach of the Year, Scott Frost. Just Stop. Kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Stop. You're fired. <laughs> How about PJ Fleck, guys? I think Minnesota is poised to win the West. If they can win the West, if they're not going to give it to Ryan Day. They'll probably give it to the runner-up. It's going to be P.J. Fleck. That's my prediction. All right, our crazy Big Ten prediction for the season. I'll go first here as well. How about this one? Ohio State versus Michigan will be an 11-0 versus an 11-0 game, the first since 2006. Chris, what's your crazy Big Ten prediction? I don't think that's too crazy, by the way. I don't think that's too crazy either, Eric. Uh, I actually have that the Big Ten will finish the season with five teams in the top ten. Ooh. That I've is got crazy. Ohio State at one, 
that team up north, Maryland, Purdue, and Minnesota, all having 10 win seasons at minimum and coming off bowl victories. Wow. Okay. Okay. That is crazy. That is. that. Okay. Uh, I hope that happens. Yeah, me too. I actually got one very similar to that, kind of, uh, that I'll give you in a second. But let's let Aaron give us one first. Crazy Big Ten prediction. Northwestern represents the West. <laughs> is, is it so crazy, though? It's 2022. It's the even-numbered hey, year. That's not was, so crazy, Aaron. Yes, yes. That's what I was going to say. It's the even-numbered year. It's the year of Northwestern again. <laughs> um, how about this one? The Big Ten will put mm-hmm. 10 teams into bowl games this year and go 8-2 and two during bowl season. I can see it. Who loses? Well, Team Up North will be one. Who are they losing to? Whoever they play in the Rose Bowl. USC Utah. or Oregon. Um, or Utah, yeah. Well, it won't be Utah, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But it will probably be USC or you know or Oregon, one of the two. Um, so that's my, that's my crazy, uh, you know, I, and the other, the other one, who knows? I mean, one of the, probably like a Maryland or somebody, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we go eight and two in the bowl season. All right, here we go. Our, our crazy college football prediction of the year. Go for it, Aaron. I said, Texas A&M wins the SEC and makes the CFP. What? Yep. Are you drinking Desmond Howard I, I juice? That's that nope. far fetched, Aaron. I don't think it's that far fetched, man. I think it's totally doable. They beat yeah. Alabama last year, and they're the way they're paying these kids to go there, it's it's on the table. Yeah, but that's still a young team, though. That's most of those kids that they brought in that recruiting class are all freshmen. Hey, you said crazy predictions. I did. You're right. I did. What you got there, Chris? Okay, so after losing their opener to Ohio State, Notre Dame runs the table, and with its only loss being to the number one team in the country, Notre Dame is the number four seed in the college football playoff. Rematch with the Buckeyes, huh? Yep. I hope that happens. I'd love to beat them twice in one year. I was going to (laughs) say. Here it is. I think Clemson loses at least three games this year. Ooh. I don't uh, think that's that far-fetched either. I I I think NC State's better than them. I think they trip up some uh, in at least two other games. I think North Carolina can challenge them. Yep. Uh, Pitt maybe. Definitely Pitt. Uh, you think Pitt Wake can? Forest? Pitt can with all the 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 talent they lost. They lost a lot, but but that they've got a system and a coach and a system in place now. They really yeah, don't do. you know? I mean, Pitt could come in and win the Big Ten every year, Aaron. <laughs> Haven't you heard? Okay. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. Okay. All right. Who will win the Heisman Trophy, Chris? I've been saying it all all off season, Eric. It's C.J. Stroud. All right, Aaron. Who's going to win the Heisman Trophy? I got to go with C.J. I, I he it's his year, man. His year. I told you guys with. 303 carries, 2,005 yards, and 23 touchdowns. Your Heisman Trophy winner for the first time since Eddie George will be a running back from Ohio State. Travion Henderson will be your Heisman Trophy winner this year. And Aaron's looking at me like, really? No, no. <laughs> Wouldn't break no. my heart at all. 
Not yeah, not one bit. I've I've been waiting for somebody like other than an Alabama player or a quarterback from anywhere else to win this thing. So I would love if if Travion won this. I really would. But does that mean he leaves to the NFL? No, yeah. he's only he sophomore. He starts another year. Oh, that's true. I forgot. It's three the, years. And, isn't and it? then the talk of being a two-time winning Heisman Trophy running back from Ohio State starts all off season. So that's annoying. There will, <laughs> there's probably a better chance of him winning it as a junior as opposed to a sophomore because we'll be breaking in a new quarterback in 2023, and I can see Ryan Day leaning head much more heavily on the run in 2023 than he is in 2022. But I have a feeling that this offensive line is going to be a bunch of road graders. So I just feel like we come out and run the football down Notre Dame's throat. And that catapults him into having some big-time games to start the season and putting that name out there. Now, the, 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 the thing that we have here that we have to be weary of, we all picked Buckeyes, and we picked two different ones. They might steal from one another the votes. So I, that's why I really feel like a program, when they have a couple guys that are leading the way, they should promote one of them more. Just my two cents. Well, that can cause problems in the locker room, though. If yeah, ones it, get, you know, it can, but then it can't because I think, like, like let's say, let's say Ryan sits Travion Henderson down and says, "Look, you're going to be back next year. You both are really, really good. You're both going to probably end up in New York, but we're going to throw it behind the veteran here at quarterback. And next year, it's going to mm-hmm. all be about you. I can see Travion Henderson, the kind of person that he is, goes, "That's what I want, anyways." You know, um, but I can yeah. also see C.J. Stroud. He's he's a he's got a he's got a good head on his shoulders. I could see him every time he's interviewing, talking about Travion Henderson too. You know, these that's true. Guys, these guys have a this team. The one thing I'm really excited about with this team all offseason, we've heard about every player saying this is the closest we've uh, of a team we've had since I've been here. Every one of them have said that. I love that, man. That means that they've got some really good camaraderie in that locker room. That's what it takes. The locker room is healthy. And I think it goes all the way back. Listen to me here. It goes all the way back to last year when there was a couple guys who quit this team. I think there there was some Uh cleansing happening in that locker room last year. And in the coaching staff, let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. But this cohesion is what it takes to win national titles. That's right. You got to have your brothers back. If you're not together, you're not going to win it. That It's that simple. Facts. All right. Uh, your college football playoff predictions. Uh, Chris, I'll let you start since we know two of the teams on yours. Yeah, I've got Ohio State seated one. I have Alabama at two. Now, with wins over Florida and I think a ranked USC and ranked Oregon team, Utah comes in at number three and Notre Dame at number four. Mm, okay. Okay. We finally uh, get rid of the second U, uh, the second SEC team this year. I hope you're right, but I'm a little weary on that. What we what I didn't see there was Texas A&M, Baylor, Pittsburgh, and Michigan like Desmond Howard had in his. <laughs> well, that's because we're not idiots. Oh. oh. There may be one or two of those slide in there, Eric. Maybe one. I'm thinking one more likely than the others, but – there's no way those four teams all make it. I, I love what Jay Thompson said about Desmond Howard. He goes, 
I'm pretty sure he's related to Mark May somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. What an idiot. Uh, Straight up dude's an idiot. Like, yes. Like I don't, I don't know how in the world ESPN doesn't like look at him and go, are you freaking serious? Like he had to come off set and, and the guys were like, are you kidding me? Can you imagine the guy making the, the, the uh, graphic for this when he gets Desmond's picks? He, he's he's got to be doing this just to draw attention to himself. That's the only reason he could be doing this, Eric. But, hey, any publicity, any publicity is good publicity. ESPN does things like that. <laughs> they had Mark true. May on there for 15 years talking down on Ohio State until, you know, the first CFP when they <laughs> – do you remember that the crowd was so loud when he started talking that he just yeah. stopped talking and we just kind of he just kind of faded off into the sunset after that. Yeah, that he, he's good, still bit, bitter about that butt whoop in Ohio State giving what three decades ago, four decades ago. to seven. Yeah, we're not far from that anniversary, guys. <laughs> A couple more years. Aaron, your your CFP predictions, man. Go for it. I said Bama number one, Ohio State number two. Texas A&M number three, Clemson number four. Okay. All right, here we go. I've got Ohio State number one. I got Alabama number two. I've got Georgia number three in a rematch. And I've got another rematch at number four. And I called them the best team west of the Mississippi a couple weeks ago, Utah. Ohio State. Bama, Georgia, Utah. I'm not really sure how the Alabama-Georgia back-to-back rematch will go, but I know this much. They cannot have that game in a national championship again, and the CFP knows that. Those rankings were abysmal last year, and no one wants to see that. They will find a way to make sure that uh, there will be a new challenger for at least one SEC team in a national championship game. Well, year. let me tell you what that is, Eric. That's the fact that I think Tennessee goes in and upsets Georgia this year. I can see it. Georgia's not as good as they were last year, guys. They're just At not. All. They lost way too much talent on defense, and that was a defense-led team. The question is, can the offense improve enough to give them a shot? I think Alabama's loaded. I think they could run the table very easily. I think Georgia could run the table and lose a close one in the SEC championship game. And they put them in and they say they're still better than Utah somehow. You know, something like that, kind of like they did with Cincinnati, making them fourth. The fact, despite the fact they were undefeated going in and, and Bama and Georgia were not or Alabama was not. So there's a way, I think, for them to set up Bama, Georgia part, whatever this will be uh, in the first round of the playoff. But I wanted to make it Ohio State, Bama, Georgia, Michigan and say the the that Georgia and Michigan are the three and four teams and or and somehow somehow make it Bama versus Michigan, Ohio State versus Georgia and and make that two teams from the Big Ten and two teams from the SEC. But I just don't see them doing it. Chris, go but, for it. but you know it's very possible. If you have Ohio State and Michigan both go into that game undefeated and it's close, but Ohio State beats them. You could have that, I think. You could, but how would you put them in over an undefeated Pac-12 champion like Utah? 
I don't think you can. I don't either. Because yeah, but Michigan's schedule is so weak. I just I I I don't see how they could do it. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I honestly don't think an SEC team comes out undefeated this year. I don't either. I Maybe think Bama. 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 I think Bama's definitely got the best chance. So, all right, guys. So we will be back Thursday night for our preview of the Notre Dame game. I hope you've enjoyed this Ohio State season preview. We will break down Saturday night's game, which will be 7:30 on ABC. Game day will be there on campus this week. I think this might be one of only two times in the last two times we might see game day on Ohio State's campus, given the fact that Ohio State will not be playing uh, on uh, ABC or ESPN again for maybe a very, very long time. So if you're going to the game, enjoy yourself. Be loud. Be proud. Like I said, Chris, last thoughts before we come back on Thursday to preview the Buckeyes versus Irish. I'm just I can't wait, man. It's six days, six flipping days. That's we're all almost, it is. And we finally get to see Ohio State football again. We're almost it's counting down the hours. <laughs> no kidding. Aaron, last thoughts, man. I don't really have any thoughts. I got some work cut out for me and breaking down some film and trying to find it. And I'm excited to do that again. It's been a while since I've been able to. So, uh, yeah, same you thing. The, tele- the, the teleprompter with you, Eric or Aaron. I wish I had one. I really do. If we were if we were doing video, this would be a pretty cool thing. I could show you guys the X's and O's instead of just talking about it, you trying to imagine it. So I'm excited. Counting down the hours the same way. Beautiful, guys. Awesome. We will be back Thursday night. Make sure you check in on that podcast to get yourself ready for Saturday's games. We are looking forward to that and to the season this year. Once again, this will be our fourth year here at the OHIO podcast and covering Ohio State football. As always, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH and sing Carmen, Ohio with all your heart. And until next time, boys, OH! IO! Go Bucks! Oh, come, let's sing Ohio's praise. And songs through While our hearts rebounding thrill And joy which death alone can still Summer's heat Oh, winter's cold, the seasons pass, the years will roll. Time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship. Ohio. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.